All right, this time we're going to be continuing in our prologue to Messiah series. Uh, if I understand the way days work, is this the last one? Next week is December, December 1st? Yeah, then we step in to Advent next week. So this is the last prologue to Messiah series. And today we're talking about the light of the nations. You see, as we read through the Old Testament, as we read these stories about the coming king, this Messiah, this Christ, this chosen or anointed one, we hear many different ways that they're spoken of. But there's a couple of things that have them stand out amongst the usual people who are coming through and rescuing Israel. Judges, kings, prophets, people of that nature. And one is the fact that this person doesn't seem to just be targeting or going towards saving Israel. But they're going to be a blessing and a savior to everyone. From the beginning, whenever Abraham is being spoken to, uh, we hear that the offspring of his will be blessing the entire world, not just Abraham and his offspring. The whole world will be blessed through them. As we move forward on, we hear things about how this person is to bless those who are in the cities and countries around Israel. And we step into Isaiah 42 and we read this. This is one of the many verses in Isaiah talking about the servant of God. Now, in Isaiah, there's two different things referred to as the servant. There's Israel itself, who is often written about as people who are going through things like blindness and who are deaf and who can't see and who are fearful and who need help. But then every now and then he starts talking about this other servant. And the way we can tell someone else is because this servant is not deaf, blind, and fearful. This servant is one who restores sight, who restores hearing, and who takes away fear and who restores justice among everything. So in Isaiah 42, we're reading about the second type of servant. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faint burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlines wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and who comes from it, who gives breath to the peoples on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison to those who sit in darkness. Amen. This servant is going to do some wonderful things. He will be a light not just to Israel, but a light to all the nations of the world. He will set free those who are in captivity and bondage. He will be a light to those who are in prison and darkness. He will restore sight. He will make his people his own. Now we see this, and it doesn't seem like it's very much of a prophecy, right? Because it's just talking about this person, what he would do. And yet, prophecy, a bit of a stretch. Title, more so. And we can see this title in a couple of different places in Scripture. In John 1, 1 through 14, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light to all that might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, whenever he is beginning his gospel, he goes all the way back to the beginning, and he proclaims that in the beginning, God was not alone. The Father was not alone. The Word was with him. And this Word is not just a random, subservient person. This Word is the one who, by and through, all things were created, literally everything. And that this Word is the light to the world. And that even though darkness came into the world, through our sin, our brokenness, everything that we've done, this light is still the light of the world. And it became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, right? Now when we walk through this, we might realize that this, this is an interesting phrase that we call Jesus the light of the world. In John, light and dark are two opposing things that are spoken of regularly. And light is... Uh, everything above and spirit-led and everything that is of those who follow Jesus and listen to him and hear and understand his words. Uh, light is life. And darkness is death, is brokenness, is the law, is that which keeps people from God. Right? Jesus, by his word stepping in, brought light into the world by enlightening, illuminating what we should know and understand about who God is and what he's done. He gives us an actual glimpse of who God the Father is by his very nature. And this might sound weird, but imagine you're standing in an extremely dark room, completely dark. One of my favorite things ever is whenever I used to go caving all the time. Uh, I actually used to go caving all the time, guys. Back when I was skinnier, I could fit places easier, and I would go and crawl around in caves with people. And if you go deep enough into a cave, you can experience something that you really can't experience anywhere else in the earth, which is absolute darkness, a total absence of light. Whenever you're sitting in your room at night or outside and it's quite dark, you can still do things like put your hand in front of your face and see it. You can still catch little glimpses of things. Your eyes can adjust and you can pick a little bit up, right? In the middle of a cave, that doesn't happen. You can literally set your hand right in front of your face and do this, and you cannot tell there's anything moving in front of you. There is a complete absence of light that continuously keeps you from being able to see anything. And what's amazing is just a little spark of light changes everything. One of the things that we used to do when we would go into caves leading groups of kids, we would turn off all of our lights and our headlamps. And if anyone had any watches that actually lit up, you would have them block over their watches. And you would turn off everything that had any lights on it. It would just be dark. Everyone would be quiet for a second. And someone would start reciting this verse. And just start reciting through John. Had to have it memorized. They had no way to read it. No light, right? And they would read through it. None of you got the part where it says the light entered the world. Someone would just light a match. And just one match made that cave seem so bright. You went from being able to see nothing to being able to see everything. That's what happened whenever Jesus stepped into the world. We were in darkness. We could not see or understand God or his nature. We could not understand our need. We were just surrounded and broken and kept in darkness. And then Jesus stepped in. And there was light. 
and we can catch glimpses of God in his nature, and we can see who he is and what he's done through who Jesus is and what he's done. We can understand more and more about who God is by who Jesus is. And not only that, but as Jesus came to restore sight to the blind, as he came to set people free, this light didn't just create a way for us to escape darkness, it also gave a way for us to be fully out of it. In Acts, Paul is on trial. A third time, I think, in this case. And he is standing before one of the uh, rulers of this city he's in. And they are questioning him as to what he is teaching and why he's teaching it. And one of the things Paul does is he goes back through the story of whenever Jesus showed up and spoke to him. Does anyone know the story about whenever Jesus showed up to Paul in the book of Acts? So in the book of Acts, Jesus is, uh, oh, sorry, Paul, who is Saul at the time, is on his way to Damascus. Damascus, right? On his way to Damascus. And as he's heading there, he is going to persecute Christianity. He's going to actually take Christians and throw them into jail because he said they were teaching falsely about God. And on his way there, suddenly a bright light hit, just appeared out of nowhere. And it was so bright that Paul was struck blind completely. And he couldn't see whatsoever. And he's just knocked off his horse or whatever he's riding by this. He's on the ground. And he hears a, saw, a voice say, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who are you? What are you talking about? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Go to Damascus, to a street called Straight, and wait. And there I'll reveal what's going to happen to you. So Paul's companions had to lift him up and carry him to the street. He was completely blind. He couldn't see. He was struck blind by this bright light. And when he gets to the street, he's waiting and praying and fasting because he doesn't know what to do. And another person named Ananias is praying. And God speaks to him. He says, Ananias. Ananias says, yes, Lord. What? Here I am. And God says, I have something I need you to do. He says, anything, Lord. He says, I want you to go to the street called Straight. There you'll find a man who needs to hear about me. And I want you to lay your hands on him and cure his blindness. And I want you to tell him about me. And Ananias is like, cool. And Jesus is like, also, it's, it's Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias is like, wait a minute, hold on a second. I've heard about this guy. I know what he's going to do. He's going to arrest me, throw me in prison. I'm going to be in trouble, right? And God says, Ananias, don't worry. He is one of my chosen instruments. I need you to go and tell him how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias goes, prays for him. Scales fall off of Paul's eyes. He is no longer blind and he can see. And he goes from being one of the biggest persecutors of the church to being one of the biggest proponents of Christ. Because the light was so bright, it completely overwhelmed everything Paul knew. And it changed him in an instant. His eyes were opened and he could see who God was. So in Acts 26, he's relating the story again. And he's telling the story about Jesus. And so, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then a little bit further, as he's explaining again to Augustus what's happening, he says, to this day I've had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. You see, the fulfillment of prophecy in this is the fact that not only are the Jewish people hearing and being saved by this Messiah, but the entire world is. And you can see this in the way the church's history played out. Gentiles heard and understood this message. People who were not of Jewish descent heard and understood this message and accepted what Jesus said and followed him. Paul was proclaiming that Jesus is light. And that light is our life. That he is the one who has overcome the darkness in us, the sin and brokenness in us. That he kills it and takes it away. So that we can have life in him. And Jesus himself called himself this light. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you ever feel like you are just walking alone in darkness, you don't know which way to go or which way to turn, you have no idea what's happening, if you feel like your path is unilluminated, like you're wandering through the woods at nighttime and you can't even really see the path at your feet, if that's what your life feels like sometimes, know this, you have access to the light of the world, the one who loves you and will illuminate the world for you and will make it possible for you to follow him. Do you ever wonder if your life is going in the right direction? Yeah? You ever wonder if your life's going in the right direction? I do. I often don't know where I'm supposed to be going. Guys, my life sometimes is just a crazy, messed up, random bag of stuff. And I have no idea what it looks like. It's like a big old ball of spaghetti that I'm trying to figure out where each individual end of these strands are. And I have no idea what it's like. I'd like to say, for those of you who are a bit younger than me, that don't worry, you get older, this feeling goes away. No, you just get better at hiding it. Right? Do you know how many people are like, I wish I was older so I could understand what's going on in my life. I can know where I'm going to be at and what's going on. And there's all the old people who are just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It doesn't always go away. But I do trust in this. If I take and follow step after step after Jesus, he will lead me where he wants me to be. And while I may sometimes still allow myself to be sitting in darkness because I'm not willing to look around, I can trust that he is the light and I can follow the light home. He is the light at the end of the tunnel. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, look at him. If you don't know what you're supposed to be, look at him. If you don't know where you're supposed to be going, look at him. He is the light. It's that simple. If you feel like you are held captive by anything, don't here feel like they're sometimes held captive by either sin or brokenness or something in this world, something emotional, something spiritual, something physical. I'm talking addictions. I'm talking pornography. I'm talking uh, lust. I'm talking uh, issues with pride, issues with... Uh, an unwillingness to change who you are as a person at times, right? These are all things that we're held captive by. Jesus himself can set us free 
He does. He offers freedom. Now we're in a broken, fallen world, and we're a part of that broken, fallen world. So sometimes that freedom does not yet seem perfectly at hand. But we know that at one point he will fully perfect us. And we will have complete freedom whenever he returns. And a lot of you may be like, all right, this is good. Great. Jesus is a light. Duh, I've heard this. I know it before, right? Yeah, I got it. Duh, da, 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 da. You've heard this before? You've heard this before? Heard it before? Heard it before? Jesus is the light of the world, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, who cares? What do I take away from this sermon? This is it. Jesus didn't just say he's the light of the world. Jesus also said, you are the light of the world. You are also that light. The world will not see Jesus perfectly. They're in darkness. You are in light. Who better to help lead the blind than someone who can see? This world needs Jesus more than it needs anything else. The people of this world need Jesus more than your friends, your family, your coworkers. Everyone needs Jesus more than anything else. How are they going to hear about him? How are they going to understand what his nature is, what he's like, how he shows love and kindness? If not through you. You are effectively him to the world. At one point, Jesus calls us his ambassadors, or Paul says we're ambassadors of Christ. And ambassadors, in the time Paul was writing, were literal, actual representatives of that person. If the king of Egypt sent an ambassador to Greece, that ambassador was effectively the king of Egypt to Greece. They didn't have fast communication back then. They didn't know who to talk to. That person held the authority and weight of that position. You as Christ's ambassador are Jesus to the world. Are you functioning as it? In your interactions with your friends, with your family, with your parents, with your kids, are you being like Jesus? So a couple things with this. One, if you're wondering how you could be like Jesus, where's one place you could look to learn what sort of things Jesus would do? The, the, the Bible, right? If you're ever wondering what Jesus would do in a situation, go look to a bracelet, go read the Gospels. He covered a lot of ground there. And I read something recently that was actually one of the most beautiful things that helped me give a gut check as to who I am and what I'm doing and how I'm like Jesus or not. So for you, I want you to take a quick moment and stop and think. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow how would you spend your day today just think it through what would you do how much coffee would you drink right how much music would you listen to how many friends would you have if you're married how much sex would you have right you gotta toss it out there come on now we're being honest Right. If you love food, how much would you eat? If you love singing and dancing, how much would you sing and dance? 
what would you do? On Good Friday. On Thursday. Jesus knew he had one day left to live. What did Jesus do with his day? Say it. Just talk. He served. He washed his disciples' feet. He taught them to love. He proclaimed again who he was and what he was doing. He prayed. He spent time with his father. He loved. Sometimes that's helpful for me because I stop and take a look at what are my base urges and desires and wants? What is my go-to thing to do? And is that go-to thing the same thing as Jesus' go-to thing to do? We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Part of the reason why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because today brings enough trouble on its own is because he's trying to help people remember that tomorrow doesn't matter very much because you don't know if you have one. What matters is who you're supposed to be today. How are you going to glorify Jesus today? How are you going to show love in your interactions with friends, family, co-workers today? How are you going to show love to strangers today? How are you going to be generous and kind and serving today? How are you going to be the light of the world today? The world needs light, people. And light is offered to them. And you're the ones that carry it. Are you going to allow that light to be covered up and hidden and miss its entire purpose? Or are you going to let it shine so that the whole world can see and know who he is and what he's done? So as you go forth today, move out as if today is all that matters. Carry forward as if he is the only one that matters. And shine as if he is the one who you are proclaiming.